and welcome to this latest episode of the Engaged Podcast. I'm Jamie, and today with me, of course, as always, I have Simon. Hello. <laughs> yeah, we thought we'd do a bit of a different intro today. Um, and we are going to be doing our TNG Season 4 review. Yay! It's that time of year again, guys. <laughs> and as you say, we've listened to you this time around, and I say this is part one of two. Yeah. Uh, which will probably work out to be about, what, two and a half hours each? Three and a half hours each? God yeah. knows what, I don't know this <laughs> season. I don't know, it's going to take forever, but it's going to be a lot around six on. hours, but it's going to be about three hours each. Obviously, this episode coming out today, and obviously the, the tomorrow's one is part two. Yeah. Um, so this one's going up to, what, Devil's Due? And then yeah. the other one picks off with clues right up to, obviously, Redemption. Redemption, mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as you can tell, uh, Sarah is not with us today, unfortunately, so it's just us two. Um, but we are planning to get Sarah on again at some point uh, for another couple of episodes. Um, so yeah, it's just us two today winging it, such as it was. Yeah, well, what you forget to mention is when we do have Sarah on, we will do what we did with Phil. We'll get her to talk about her favourite episodes and least episodes least favourite episodes from this season so yep. you will get to hear her thoughts on this season just not today but in future so you yep. know we we haven't completely forgotten and things like that and you know just real <laughs> life stuff just yeah gets, get, gets, gets in the way doesn't it <laughs> um, anyway so should we start off obviously we are going to um, start off obviously with the best of both worlds which we are literally going to just quickly summarise briefly talk about the actual episode um, yes but we've actually done some real work by actually working out a rough time stat- a time date in our previous review for where you can go back to listen to the proper debate about it Yeah, because which I'll- is mostly me rambling but hey never mind <laughs> Well, I think season reviews are kind of famous for that, aren't they? You know, you, you know, you've, you've come up with ideas and you, you kind of go off on tangents, and it just it just kind of snowballs into whatever. So, I think we've all been guilty of that in season reviews at some point. Um, to actually have a full listen to our a review on it, um, if you go back to obviously our season three review, it's at the four hours and fifty one minutes mark. Um, so, if you go back to that rough time, that will be there in full for you to listen to your heart's content um so yeah are we ready to get started then mm-hmm. yes did you want me to summarize it yeah yeah okay so this obviously will be me summarizing both parts but it's just in one so lieutenant commander shelby joins the crew as they investigate the latest planet victimized by the borg the borg soon intercepts the enterprise and does critical damage later boarding the ship and kidnapping picard Riker leads a fleet of 40 starships to Wall 359 to confront the Borg. But the fleet's efforts are in vain. Every starship is annihilated. An away team boards the cube and kidnaps Locutus to return him to the Enterprise. Yeah, paragraph 1 was part 1, and paragraph 2 is part 2, in case yeah. you're confused. Because that's what we kind of do with two-parters, you know, you've kind of forgotten, but yeah. <laughs> well, that counts as one. You know, just for a bit of clarity, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, yeah, obviously, you know, both of us, I think it's safe to say, we we put up again as a favourite episode season contender for season four, uh, given kind of that we did that with season three as well. Um, yeah, so, I mean, 
based on said what we've already kind of said before, I said it is a fantastic two-parter. As I said, the Borg being just such a big threat and coming to fruition, you know, it's, it's essentially the end of the Federation. It could have been, um, and you know, when you have an enemy like that who seem unbeatable, that just brings the kind of the story and, and the characters and the situation they're in just to a whole new level. And I think kind of that's why the episode, the, that, the, the best of both worlds, is kind of, it is revered as it is, I think, isn't it? I still think the same things I thought last year. Just kind mm. of, I love it, just not as much as everyone else, partly because of all the sh- things I said last time. Well, yeah. Where I they mean, just missed odd opportunities yeah. and missteps, and you just sit there going, no, you I know what you're trying to do, but it doesn't quite work in that scene and that scene. Mm. Um, like the, you know, Riker sitting in Picard's chair. It just sits there. Don't give it time. And it's like. That's the thing I've got to point out. I did rewatch it, apart from I fell asleep during it this year. So, you know. I I did rewatch it. But yeah, I I do agree with what you're saying. With that moment with Riker in the captain's chair, you just needed a moment of reflection. An extra, just extra thirty seconds or something like that. I know they pressed for time, but I think that really would have had a bit more of an impact. I just cut it off, and it was just like, all oh, right, okay, you know. So I think that just lost a little bit of kind of emotional weight. I think. And I also think that the humour's still misplaced. So it still doesn't work. But I think yeah, in terms I mean, of Morris Mesh's meanings, I think they're all there, and I think it's yeah, an amazing story behind it. So, yeah. I don't know if you want me to go into or not. Or... You can if you want to point out a couple, I suppose, just to refresh our memories. <laughs> never, give, never give in to fear. Never under, uh, underestimate the capabilities of someone or something. Let's rest everything we do. Life says challenge us physically or mentally. Never give up, never surrender. Like I said last year, I think I nabbed that from Galaxy Quest. Teamwork is an important, life, important part of life. The thing is either black or white. Democracy will always win out. The Borg are like lemmings, which I think you two of you liked last year. <laughs> Sometimes the things are the most effective. Needs are many outweigh the needs of the few. Or one. Your unconscious mind is more active than you think. Variety is the spice of life. Everyone deserves the right to choose. Something is potentially to be used for good or bad. Help can come from the most unlikely sources. You have to be willing to do anything to survive. Uh, sometimes you have to do some something you don't want to do. Every problem has a solution. Stand up for what you believe in, and you may lose the battle but win the war. That's everything that I can see. Yeah, but so I think that's, that's another good reason for putting this episode up. A load of messages, Maul's messages and meanings in there, which you can sink your teeth into. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think we've kind of covered best of both worlds quite nicely. So. Um, and irony, yeah. the irony of it all, I think I read out part one. Um, oh, the messages. When last year I did two. I think I did. Oh, did I? oh no, actually, I Oh, don't worry. No, I think I might read out. Yeah, don't worry. Okay. Then nice of me, I think I did read out the same side. But anyway. <laughs> um, now on to fresh new episodes where we actually get into stuff we have actually looked at once for once. Yeah. Uh, family, which I know straight away, I reckon we're both going to put up, so that's a kind of. Uh, yes, that is. Yep. Yeah. That is In true. In the Enterprise is undergoing extensive repairs, while the crew, most nicely Picard, will recover from the Borg attack. Picard returns to Picard 
for a less than warm welcome from his brother. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, at the time this episode was aired, it wasn't really thought much of. It kind of faded into the background because, you know, the normal structure you have is, you know, two parts up, right, let's get them straight back into to space and they're off again. So, but I, I think it's only, only kind of later when it kind of, for whatever reason, it's come to be known as it is. You know, it's 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 a landmark episode. I said you had, you know, essentially the two parts with the Borg, and then you had this episode, which is essential in kind of deepening the characters and and what they went through, particularly Picard. You know, and I think, and to be honest, I think I th this episode is essential because you need you need. One of the things I've noted down that I like about it is it. It's a lovely breather between the Borg incident and the Enterprise going back on duty. It gives a chance for the stories and the characters' relationship. Picard's experience with the Borg has really affected him. It's not just oh, you know, brush it off, back, 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 back to normal next week. You know, he's been he's been violated. You know, he said they they took everything from him. He's he stripped him of his humanity. You know, and you really see that in this episode. I mean, even just at the start. You know, when Deanna's talking to him. You know, oh, I'm healing. It's like, oh, yeah, that you are, but you, but it's one of the messages I kind of picked up from it. You have to look after your mental as well as your physical health after a traumatic experience. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sai? What kind of what did you love about this episode then? Well, the only the thing about it is is that. Um when the writers were considering this episode they actually were thinking about doing um a space disaster in space they were wondering you know, trying to think that up and you know they i think they decided to change their minds about it and that's what you need interestingly about it one of the facts that always gets brought up with this episode is it's the only episode not to feature the bridge yeah there is no shots whatsoever on the bridge, which is kind of goes against kind of. There's no anomalies. There's no this. There's no that. Um, oh, that's it. Yeah, considering a, a main plot line with a threat, but I think they, I'm glad they didn't uh, focus on families. Something that Jamie said to me right before I got started watching is a focus on family, a proper family, and. Um, Kind of like, made up families. Yeah, kind of like at the bold beginning models. of this yeah. beginning of the series. It's like okay, right, okay. And so I started watching it, and there is a thread at the beginning of the season, and say so really starts with this one and a really good, good start, really good episode beginning. I don't know. Um, and I say it's like like you're saying, Jamie. It's like the aftermath of what just happened, rather than just going, never mind. They, he'll get over it. Um, a few other odd bits I picked up on. I would like to see more of Captain Car's family because I feel like didn't get many scenes in it. No, I mean that's that's one thing as well I found. But obviously, you know, they were balancing that, and then obviously the plot with Wolf and his parents coming on board, and then Wesley getting that that message from his father on the holodeck as well. But that's what I liked. I think you had a nice nice amount of screen time kind of for all of them. I think it was quite nicely balanced out. I found. Uh, I've got a few odd random bits. Uh, reference the sins of the father when talking about Wolf's dishonour. Mm -hmm. um, I like the engineering ten forward and post fight scenes. Um, I think because it's like nice to see that kind of 
all the emotion behind it and like the wolf wolf family dynamic and the Picard dynamic just kind of yet yeah, oh. like but now we're hanging yeah. out a bit. That's that scene where Picard breaks down just it's it's hot. I mean every I mean I've what I think we both watched Family numerous times and that scene still gets me every time. Because as I said he's you know, he's he's never never seen him like that before and it's heartbreaking, it really is heartbreaking. Um nice to see a snapshot of what life is like back on Earth, similar to the Cisco's. Yep. Because if you think about it, it's like the proper first look we get at what it's like on Earth as people outside of Starfleet. Uh and then I've got a few really daft ones, really daft things as usual. Oh. Um what do you want to hear first? They're both in the same vein, but go for it, sir. Whatever, you, whatever, you, whatever order you want to say, in. doesn't really. With all the technology, say anyway. why are children only being awarded with ribbons for great work? <laughs> What's that that's, about? That's actually a good point. Because didn't um, oh, didn't um, oh god, uh, his nephew get he, yeah, his nephew gets yeah, one, so. yeah, because he wrote about starships, didn't he? And I love it. You know when Picard start get like starts walking into starts walking home. Mm. Did you notice what music was in the background? No, no, no. Of course you didn't. They have the most stereotypical French music in there, so don't forget Picard's French, and it is now France. <laughs> Again, and then you sit there and go, "Why the frick are they all talking like?" really Queen's English the whole time it's like this makes no sense are we actually in France again it brings back your it's like nephew it's like Picard French when he's French and English it's like you know it's like nephew it's like oh what it's like how English you do and I kind of put my notes kind of it's a bit unfair but it's like uh, shame the actor who played his nephew didn't get the memo it's like you know kind of (laughs) French you know not English you know just just saying um, a fantastic episode which has great pacing and amazing character development um, it's, yeah it's an incredible episode that you just really can't miss yeah I mean I, I've said kind of similar to you as you say great morals messages and means are richly examined great examination of different families and their values between Ricard and his brother Wolf and his Shuma mother and father and Wesley and his dad Actor, I mean the acting is terrific from the main cast and secondary cast what I wanted to show is that most families are dysfunctional, apart from Wolf's, which was quite a nice thing, even though he's an, he's adopted. Mm. But that's something we'll probably get back to oh in a later episode because that kind of causes a few problems. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the um some of the other messages I got from it is kind of exam. I found it was kind of like a um examining your oneself and your place in the world. So like in the episode, Picard thinks about leaving Starfleet. And then Wesley's kind of getting his father's message when he's like in the kind of transition from teenager to adult. And I also thought, found um, the importance and value of family. No matter the differences, family is family. Terrorist the time you have with them. Because, you know, obviously Picard hadn't seen his brother in like very well, like for years. And, like, and even though, like, because again, what I also found was they had the idea of kind of technology. So. His Robert, his brother, lives without technology, like making the wine from the vines and Maria cooking food without a replicator. And obviously, Picard's used to using the replicator and obviously drinking synthol, not actually real alcohol. So, kind of Robert looks to the past, but Picard looks to the future. 
but you know despite their differences they kind of managed to overcome them because they're family and I, I even quite like it's kind of like a a compromise at the end kind of like when Robert's talking to his wife Maria and their son's outside it's like oh just let him dream you know let him dream about starships in the space whereas probably at the start I'd be like oh no you've got to come in you can't be thinking about things like that so yeah just those are kind of the messages that I got from the episode I don't know if you got similar or anything different at all no I probably went the other side of the spectrum <clears throat> you can never run away from your problems mm-hmm. there are no excuses to revert to violence so the fight um, take responsibility for your actions. <clears throat> if you need support dealing with something, um, ask for it. Treasure time you have with friends and family, you never know when your time with them will be gone. Sometimes you have to be reminded of who you are. Never shy away from your emotions. If something is probably you talk to your friends and family. Um, again, the liquor line comes up again. People don't, in the 24th century don't know how to hold their liquor. <laughs> well, it's kind of weird because... What struck me that scene with Robert Picard drinking was like, well, his brother's used to alcohol, yet he's drunk as well. So I was like, maybe he had a bit more to drink than his brother did. I don't know. but <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to know how you can cover that answer quite easily? Go on. They're French. There you are. <laughs> um, technology ruins your palate. Everyone has potential. Guilt is a powerful thing. And blood isn't thicker than water, which you'll hear quite often in the beginning of this show. So, yeah, I said, quite a lot of messages there. Um, but it's just, you know, and it's just, I said, it's just a very interesting episode, particularly kind of the idea of Picard kind of le- think about leaving Starfleet. It's, it's quite a shocking notion. It's like, even he says, you know, because he gets a job offer, doesn't he? And it's like, I actually found myself thinking about it. And it's like, whoa. But, you know. but it wouldn't get away from the problem, though. No, that's, that's what, true. Um, As that's what his brother was saying, isn't it? Yeah, it's so you either live with it un- under the under uh, on Earth, or was it under the stars, or under the ocean, under the ocean, or, or above the uh, uh, above the clouds, on your starship, yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> so either so either way, the problem's still going to be there. So you, as you say, you can't run away from your problems. So, um, so yeah, I think um, yeah, I said we both put that up. Obviously, I said it just for all those reasons. It's it's a definite season contender. It's, 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 it's an essential episode that was needed. Um, and like you say, if they included that space, was it that thing in space you were talking about? Like a disaster or something, that would have completely ruined the tone of the episode. Unless, of course, you have it happen at the end and then you go into a new arc. Maybe, no, but... just, no, it's groundbreaking. That's what you need. And that's why Next Gen's my favourite. Went out there and went. We're actually going to deal with this when you get onto an Voyager, and it's like, yep, yeah, we've been assimilated. Oh, we're fine next week. What? Huh? Well, again, that family was kind of the cornerstone for what DS9 would kind of become that kind of a story arc that goes on for more than a couple of episodes. So, kind of next gen kind of started off that kind of trend. I bet on a smaller scale, but still, it was there. Um, so, yeah, do we want to move on to Brothers then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, the Enterprise is suddenly diverted from her course to an unknown planet. What no one realises is that Data is responsible for this, having been taken over by a homing signal that leads him to his creator, Dr. Soong. I think I got to this a bit later after Jamie, Jamie started to it as ever. So I caught him up. 
shortly afterwards. It's the same yeah. story every AJ. We can't even be honest. I get yeah, it a bit is. later and go. I, although why I did, did you start then? And you although to... I did pace myself out nicely. I took a break here and there. I finished yesterday. I finished Tuesday. <laughs> so I'm I'm fine. I'm it's still fresh in my mind, so I think I'll be alright. But go on, you were um, saying. <laughs> but this was an episode I felt was a bit weird after family, so I, it just didn't quite work. It's just and I think you sort of said the same word, didn't you? It just doesn't quite after you get family, it's a very odd story to go into. Yeah. For the first story back into proper stories. I'm not quite sure why, but it just it just mm. a bit off. The time yeah. just doesn't quite gel quite right. I know it's a, a separate it's plot. Something from... you don't realise when you just kind of watching them back. It's something you really don't notice, and you sit there going, "What? Huh? Mm. I don't." And it was one of those episodes where I sat there and went, "I don't know what I'm going to put for this. I really <laughs> don't know." Um, I did find some really odd stuff in it, though. You sit there and go, "What? Why is that like that?" Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, some of the messages I, I found a few messages. So, I thought practical jokes can be dangerous. So, the subplot with the brothers where one is injured and eats the poisonous fruit. Um, questions about the universe. The data asks his father why he was created. So, humans are mortal and procreate to continue their family, a way of continuing to exist. So, essentially, immortality. So, in essence, some created data and law partly the same reason. Um, and the kind of nostalgia for humans about liking old things. It reminds us of ties to the past. And what Did it means you know they were going to get a different actor? Did you know they were going to get a different actor to play Dr. Sun? And they were, yes. Um, Brent Spiner went, yeah, maybe we should use me instead. Hmm. And then they thought about it and went, yeah, that's a good idea. So, I think it was interesting seeing the different settings on the force fields. Mm-hmm. I've always loved Data's password. I think that thing's awesome. <laughs> um... I've- Reintroduction of law since uh, data law. Yep. Um, interesting looking at the mechanics of a combat because actually you get to see inside it for once, which is kind of amazing. Isn't that the only time you get to see that, don't you? I, I doubt it, but it was amazing seeing it in this one. I think it's like mm. one of the first times. Whistling Pop Goes the Weasel is a reference back to the pilot. Um, I think the Android special effects are incredible as well, where you get to see half, half his head. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, foreshadowing of uh, the offspring. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I've got a two really funny. Th- One where I'm, I don't quite know if I'm right or wrong, but I thought it was interesting. Love the fact quarantine has the same aesthetic as the brig, possibly due to a set redress, but I'm not quite sure. Oh, I could kind of see. I could kind of see that. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't quite figure out if it was or not, but. Oh well, maybe I, I could have could have gone back to research and had a quick look. Um, and and this is a bit I really don't get. It's a, again, it's me being silly, but you sit there and go, "What? There's not enough time to save Doctor Sung, but they have enough time to pick up a toy dinosaur for the Potts boys, Potts brothers." <laughs> How's that work? Oh no! Oh no! Oh, that just oh, I shook my head at that. Um, you just die over in the corner. We're just going. Yeah. I'll just take your dinosaur oh, from you. Don't dear. worry about that. It's again. It's all about priorities. It, again, it harkens back to a, a lonely among us in season one. Oh, there's been a murder on the delegates, but we'll just leave that to the side because we just got to make sure that Picard's all right. Let's let Picard speak. Like, what? <laughs> um, 
well, some of the things that I liked about this episode, I like the kind of, there's a really nice mirroring of the two plots, about Data and all the two Potts brothers. Particularly at the end when Data, when, you know, when they've kind of, when Data says the two have reconciled their differences and Beverly says, they're brothers, Data, brothers for gift. And I kind of think that maybe like, somewhere Data maybe hopes on that, that him and Norm may be able to reconcile, which doesn't happen, but hey. Um, so I thought that was kind of a nice mirroring of kind of, of the two plots. Um, again, you said really clever scene how Data took control of the ship and bid down to the surface. And I love the solution of how of Riker, Wolf and Geordie using Data's imprint transporter chase to make the computer fit that they are Data so that they can beam down to the planet. To the planet. I thought that was just yeah, a really... Yeah, I kind of got a few problems with that in, this, in, a, in a way. <laughs> I think. Um, but yeah, that's that's a totally different episode, I think. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of. I didn't really find anything, anything really wrong with it. Nothing that really bothered me too much to kind of note down it. I think the episode worked again, apart from kind of a transition of the time between family and this one. I think the episode worked quite it nicely. It's alright. Mm. I, I like it. It's just in this, um, in this way we've done it. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't work, which is a real. Thing when, but when you're doing twenty six odd episodes in one after another, yeah, it really changes your perspective on episodes. Some mm. that you sit there going, "Oh my god, I'm I'm looking forward to this one." And you watch it, and you go, "What? I, I don't I don't know what I'm doing." Well, I think also what what this episode does really well too is it showcases Brent Spiner's acting abilities. You know, he's playing Data, Law, and Sung. You know, a whole family, but they've all got different personalities. So I th- and I think that comes across really well. You know, you can you can look at these three and and you can think, oh, they're played by different actors. You, you know, if you didn't know much about it, you think, oh, they're played by different actors, but it's actually the same actor. So, but yeah, I think it's. I said I think it's. Like I said, not a bad episode. I don't think it's brilliant, but I didn't find anything. I didn't really have it inherently any real problems with it. So, so uh, did you get any messages from it at all, Si? Oh yeah, I, I just didn't get anything that exciting from it. I just got the kind of standard. Mm. There are no excuses for its violence. Treasure your time with friends and family. You never know when time with them will be gone. Our advance we get, we're, we're still fallible to being tricked or fooled. You have to be able to forgive and forget. Never trust technology. Something is potential to be used for good or bad. Uh, good but equally bad. We're all mortal. Everything has its time. Is a powerful thing, and that's literally it. Mm. Yeah, the, particularly the one you said, "Don't trust technology." That really stands out to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, do we want to move on to the next one then? Yeah. Yep. So the next one. Well, that's one thing we should point out throughout the whole season. Go this on. is pretty much a whole season of bottle shows. Every oh, single yes. episode you go into is a bottle show. Which means they spent literally no money on new sets, new costumes, or anything. They were saving money for something. Oh, God knows what. Maybe redemption. redemption. Maybe. Yeah. You know. And probably obviously um, you're not having as much of a budget from the best of both worlds. So. So yes, you, I think we could sort of read it. It's about ninety percent, ninety-five percent, where it's just like bottle show. And yet, oddly and, enough, it works really well. Like I said, the season four is one of my most favourite seasons of Next Gen. So the fact that it's a bottle show and you see that they were saving money, it makes it even more it makes it even more impressive to my mind. The fact that they could come up with these stories and said you know limited settings or they just needed to limit themselves, I think it's fantastic. So 
we just said just, just wanted to point that out as well because I, I actually did forget. So what would I do with that? You say? <laughs> um, do you uh, want to read the synopsis for the next one? Um, yeah, go on then. Finding a Telerian vessel, the Enterprise crew discover that one of the ship's crew is actually a human teenager. Dr. Crusher's examination, examination has revealed that he has been injured in the past, and it's likely that these injuries were not accidental. Yeah, I mean, this this is one of those episodes I seriously needed to re-examine. Again, it was kind of that, that, that old attitude mentality of, oh yeah, the kid's annoying. Kind of like Town, El- Town Elbrum in... Um, Tin Man, kind of a similar thing. Oh, he's annoying, but okay, you know. So that this is kind of a similar thing of I had to really kind of re-examine this episode. And oh my god, there's so much going on here. I mean, the odd this episode's kind of odd because I, I didn't particularly. It's, it's kind of weird to say, this, but I didn't particular. I, I didn't hate the episode, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. But I don't no, think it it's gives one... out mixed messages. So yeah, it's a very odd thing. It is, so. it is that, but I think it's kind of also just it said it's, but it's it's a very very interesting one, and there is a lot going on. Um, there's a lot going. I mean, not quite a bit from this. I mean, you know, I picked up quite a bit from this episode. Um, I mean, I said you know, one of the I said one of the things you know I think we're kind of. I said it gives mixed messages, but one of the things it kind of we weren't quite sure what the episode was. We know what the episode was trying to do, but it was kind of it wasn't quite sure what it wanted to say. And it's kind of one of the I think we kind of both kind of disliked about. It's kind of well, it's a bit of a grey area about Endar and his son. It's clear that he loves him like a son, but then to claim him as his own from a slain enemy when he's a baby, bring him up as a Talarian, it's kind of a bit. It kind of brainwashed him a bit. It's, you know, it's very very and kind of. Bringing him up in—that's you know, not what I had a problem with. That was part. Of what, that was part of what I had a problem with. But I, no, not with that really. It's trying to force him to be human again. That's what I had a problem with. That as well. That was one other thing I found as well. It, as, as he said to Picard, it's like, do we leave him there for mm. him to die, or do mm. we look after him, care for him, mm-hmm. and he lives rather than dies? Mm. So it's a very kind of. I think you can he, see he, that point actually, mm. rather than going. Oh, that's not right. Who are we to say what's right and what's wrong? If exactly, done... exactly. It's, again, it's us. It's 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 human. It's human bias. It's bias, isn't it? And then you know, I came across a really good situation, and you and then you agreed with me when I said it to you a few weeks back. It's the same situation as Wolf, but it, no one brings it up at any point. You go, oh come on, really? Mm. It, it's exactly yeah, exactly the same kind of thing. I'm just thinking. <laughs> no, no, you know, Wolf, you know, kind of exactly this kind of same situation. It said Wolf was found and he was brought up by humans. And it, no, I said no one ever kind of mentions that. And it's like, you know, and when kind of, and again, this, this is where you get pro, pro, I'll get a problem with later with redemption, but, you know, kind of Wolf goes off with the Klingons and, oh, he's back again now at the end, back to Starfleet. It's just like, right, okay, but anyway, that, that, No, so, but later. I think with that, it's, it's over a space of about a month. So mm. it's not just mm. three day event, uh, like three day period. It's over several weeks. So it, it I think, oh, we'll get into that later. But it's n- it's not as bad as you think it is. But it's just the way it's very cool. But again, it's been two parts. So, but anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, back to this episode. Yeah. So, 
as you can say, it's kind of both sides. And the episode, again, it's kind of they're not quite sure what to do with the episode. It's kind of a bit all over the place, as you say, mixed messages. Although they're saying you probably missed in it. Um. There's more to it than just the grey area of um, Jeremiah, which really is subtle. If you miss it, you miss it, and I've missed it every time I've seen it previously. It shows the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder on a child or teenager. Yeah. Which yeah. it's forgotten about under the main topic, but it's there as well. Yeah. As you say, it's him coming into conflict with him being human, but he's been brought up by the Telerians. So, you know... And no, all, I... no, it's when he's playing squash and he breaks down because it reminds him of the yeah. attack mm. rather than him being um, a Telerian. That's, I, say, I don't have an issue with that. It's no, no, no. What, down. What, what I mean is, what I mean is, it kind of, that's kind of, it's called, that's kind of the focal point. That's where it started for him. That attack and then kind of, I said, he's in conflicts constantly who he is throughout the episode but having that trauma as well added on top of it doesn't help does it hmm. I've got a few other odd bits that I can talk about the Telerian vessels were redressed in numerous occasions throughout Star Trek so next year and Deep Space Nine Voyager um no, I said that one one of the few occasions of Star Trek where we get to hear 24th century music uh Telerian music in this case uh, fantastic use of met- metallic Starfleet blankets used by being used as a hammock. Mm-hmm. Um, Telerian helmets look like old school Bassar Galactic helmets. Uh, and that's all I've got. And then there's a few more missions and meanings, but I didn't get much for it. Um, well, I, I said I thought um, very interesting themes that explored well of gender authority, and I said PTSD and the possibility of Stockholm Syndrome. I thought it was quite fascinating the comparison of kind of human Telerian culture that kind of examines the similarities and differences so for example Telerian males outrank females and not Telerians may claim the sons of the enemies they sustain if it happens to um, happens to their children um, the Banar is a mourning ritual when their brothers fall and at the age of 14 Telerians reach the age of decision where they go through a ceremony of initiation and are free to make their own choices so kind of, and I think that kind of relates nicely to Jonah having to decide whether to stay with the humans or his father Endar um, I found like kind of the study of uh, Jonah or Jeremiah kind of he said he's in conflict of being a human in Telerian culture um, they did that really quite well so he has memories of his dying mother then he's kind of and that, I, read, I really love that scene in Tim Forward kind of laughing with Wesley you know when he when he, he accidentally ends up spread, uh, um, getting the banana was it the banana split all over Wesley or something <laughs> which I thought was a really really nice scene um, it also, I think, also what's great is it, it brings up another thing from Picard's past: his awkwardness around children. He has to be—he's kind of thrust into being a parental kind of a parental father figure to to um, to Juno, Jeremiah. So you know, and I think, and that's what I love, particularly when Troy kind of suggests that to him in in the ready room, and his reactions are like, "What? No, no, not gonna, not gonna." can't do this but you know um so yeah i mean there's a lot there's a lot in this episode that i, I said there's some really good scenes you find out a lot um you find out a lot i think um some of the messages i got from it was obviously um kind of you know 
gender and authority kind of the Tillerians are kind of a patriarchal society um, but as you say it's kind of not letting your own bias get in the way of things so as you say kind of with the whole thing with, with Juno kind of you know oh, we've got to force him to be you know force him to go back to humans it's like, well, you can't do that and that kind of brings up the idea of kind of examination of custody battles of children their thoughts and feelings have to be taken into account which Picard admits to end at the end that they didn't do that with Juno and also kind of I think it kind of it goes into kind of the lengths a parent will go to protect their child. So when Endar's prepared to go to war to get his son back. So, yeah, I, I found quite a bit. <laughs> um, I said, you um, you found you didn't find as much, did you? I didn't, but I think they're quite heavy topics. Mm. Nothing is either black or white. Don't jump to conclusions. Find out the facts first. Everyone deserves the right to choose. Um... Don't jump to conclusions. Memory is a thickle thing. Sometimes you have to do something you don't want to do. Don't be prejudiced against a certain group. It's very easy to misinterpret other people's actions. <laughs> do what you think is right. And again, blood is, isn't thicker than water. Well, yeah, but a very, very interesting episode. I mean, um, and another thing I also like to kind of, I actually quite like the ending scene between uh, Picard and Juno as he takes off his gloves and greets Picard car goodbye because previously he does not have direct skin contact with aliens so I thought that was quite and the fact that he kind of did that at the end kind of shows the respect I think he kind of gained you know for the captain kind of throughout the episode um, even obviously at one point Juno actually did stab Picard but you know <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> but um, yeah so yeah, I said not I said an episode that mixed messages and I said it's not one particularly enjoyable but it's a very very interesting one um, and I said I I definitely didn't give that, that episode enough credit beforehand so you know and it's, it's you know so yeah it's, it's definitely an episode I kind of needed to definitely re-examine and I'm glad I did I said it's a very it's a very very interesting episode so yeah <clears throat> so um, is there anything else any redresses in that one or anything else no, I would have mentioned it, Jeremy. Cool. Alright, um, are we done with that episode then? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, right, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, remember me. Dr. Crusher's old friend, Dr. Quace, is leaving his former home on a starbase to retire. When the Enterprise becomes ready to leave the starbase, Crusher helplessly watches the entire crew disappear one by one. I don't mind it, I've got quite a few problems with bits and pieces yeah I mean one of the things I found it's not so much I found kind of when Beverly's alone the scenes between her and the computer I found that a little bit it was a little bit dull I know you know there's no one left you've got to but I just found that just a little bit it kind of no but you need some maybe that kind of just lowered the suspense a bit for the episode I just think it was a little bit no but you can't have 10 minutes of silence Jamie yeah, I, I know she that. Does, as she does in her monologue, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't quite work. You've got to do something yeah. with it. I know. Um, but... Reuse the Starbase model seen throughout Star Trek, um, including stock shots from season 1's 11001001. One, uh, I love the new shot of the Enterprise leaving the Starbase. Um, silly one, silly one. Uh, I thought it was an episode designed for new fans because it introduces all the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same solution as where no 
one has gone before, as it's like, where's the hearing his mind equals saves his mum, and the traveller hearing his mind gets shipped back to explore space. Now, the silly ones, um, features of madness, where's the scream in the whole of next gen by Gates McFadden? I think it's actually two. Um, and this really, this, I'd never get this in Star Trek. If he's moving back to his homeworld after many years, why has he only got a ha Harriel? <laughs> That's a good point, actually. So uh, he's got the world's smallest bay. It's like, okay, I can't think he's got everything in there, but hey, never mind. Uh, travel light. And what I really don't get is the end of this episode, because Beverly's ship should have vanished long before she reached the engineering, based on the information in the episode. It's like 15 meters per second. You look at animation, it's like, yeah, you should be dead by now. <laughs> it's like, go back and watch it again, Jamie, and you'll sit there and go, Will do. that makes no sense. Because it's like, if you think about it, where the main point it, it would not collapse, it's like on the neck somewhere. Mm. And it's so compressing. And while she's still figuring it all out, the bridge is gone by that mm. point. And she's still there, and you kind of go... Like I said, Are that you scene kidding with the... me? It's there like, you go, on, there really? you go. That scene with the computer was too long anyway. There you go. <laughs> so go back and watch it and you'll just okay. and go, yeah, no, you didn't... Well, I if mean... it was slower, I could understand it, but it goes yeah. so quickly that you sit there going, it's yeah, the bridge should have gone... It's probably to ramp up the tension of what, what's happening. She's got to get to the, the vortex thing quick to get back, so... But yeah, I said that, that doesn't quite work if you think about it like that. Um nice to see the Traveller again. Yeah, um, I think also it's kind of and it, it reinforces Wesley's potential as well. Kind of, with, they said from where no one has gone before from season one, which will be uh, season one episode six. <clears throat> I don't know why I need to remember that bit, but never mind. Um, yeah, so um, I found like I said, it's, it said it's, I think it's quite an interesting mystery setup of why the people in the Enterprise are disappearing. Only Beverly remembers. Um, I think that's my fan actually gives a really good performance as the situation escalates and her concern grows. And I think kind of the idea of never appreciating your loved ones until they're gone fits really nicely into the plot. I said where everyone's disappearing, only Beverly remembers. Um, I didn't get much in terms of the messages really. There's, I didn't really find much in this episode. I found all I got was you never really appreciate people you love until they're gone. So Doctor Quest telling Beverly as he talks about his late wife passing, which makes her go and see Wesley. So you kind of cherish those you love. Um, so and you know, just reworded treasure your time with friends and family. You never know when yeah, your time yeah. with them will be gone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's <laughs> my, your version of it. That's my shorter version of it. Yeah. Um, and obviously just the idea of fear of losing people so like the idea of alternate reality is now perception of reality being changed as Beverly creates the reality from her thoughts or fear of losing Wesley and never telling how much she loves him so yeah that's literally all I got from the I episode didn't, I actually got quite a lot from it it's not a bad episode uh, never give in to fear there's risk of everything we do teamwork is an important part of life um, same one as Jamie um, <laughs> the human brain and mind is our race asset, don't squander it and your potential. Your unconscious mind is more active than you think. Help come from the most unlikely places, needs out many outweighed and needs a one or few. Memory is a fickle thing, never trust technology. You have to be willing to do anything to survive, every problem has a solution. We're all mortal and you only live once, and that's me done. Or in the case of James Bond, you only live twice. 
sorry, I couldn't resist chucking that in there. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, anything else to say about that episode? No, on to well, next E. Yes. Uh, rushing into dangerous territory, the Enterprise is looking for escape from when they find two c- cachets. Two, uh, uh, c- oh god, two cadres? Cadres? Urban gangs so large they yeah. have replaced the government and now conduct their street fighting on a warlike scale. That sounds like a different film. <laughs> I was going to say it does, isn't it? Um, this is where we do get into an awful lot of redress, redressing territory. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess at some? Because uh... I think by season four you should have a rough idea what I'm going to say. Well... No. <laughs> That's the thing, this time round, kind of when I was watching I didn't really pay much attention to kind of the, the sets in the background You'll so much. when you hear them. Go, go on. The, the freighter Arcos is a redress of the Telerian freighter Batras, first seen in Heart of Glory. Um, mm-hmm. The Arcturus escape pod is also a reuse redress of the Zibalian shuttle, first seen in the most toys. Which oh yeah, of course. These, you say, oh, I mean, it's like those two. Oh, Where's that? And the fact that you mentioned this to me when we talked a while back, so you did actually. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, might see it again, you know. Um. Oh, and this you brought this up with me as well. About the only time where the waiting team beamed down ready for action, where their like phases are drawn. Mm-hmm. Go on, have your good quick complain. Go on. Uh, one of the things I didn't like about this episode is Wolf's, Wolf's concern for Dr. Crusher beaming down with him, Riker, and Data. She, he goes, Oh, you should stay behind until it's safe. It's like, Why you suggest as to why? It's like, Dr. Crusher's got loads of dangerous missions and you've never said anything before. And it's just like, Well, it could come across as sexist. It's like, Well, you asked, you say that is because, is it because she's a woman? So that's one bit I, I didn't like at all. I really didn't like at all. I think I got the planet wrong, but I think the planet was very Blade right, Blade Runner feel to it. Yeah, I mean, I've only watched like neon signs. Yeah, it's quite cool. Even yeah, though cool, I love yeah. it, we both don't like Blade Runner. But, but yeah, <laughs> um, and I, what I found a bit ironic is in one of the episodes where you sit there going, all the other shows was like, yeah, we've got a diplomat with us to solve this fighting. Where's not, not in this case? No, we're just giving up on them. Okay. Uh, one of the other things I found with this episode is Troy's character is completely wasted, and her and her abilities should have been used. She she fails to identify Ishara's duplicity of warning the crew off emotional attachments to, you know, being Tasha's sister. Yet Picard does this to Riker later, and like she's an empath. It's like, and, and again, this is a moot point, but she does like she's an empath, right? And they're playing poker yet. She can't sense when someone's bluffing or lying. Now, yes, it's possible off-screen she might have agreed not to tap into her abilities, but it's a bit flimsy. But just overall, Troy, it's, it's just like she's of no use in the episode. It's like you could have actually used her in that episode. So I found kind of her character was completely wasted in that one. I love Shara. Kind of, I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna destroy their generator. What she do to open up the thing? She fires the phaser at the thing to deal it off, and you see it going. You've got a phaser, why don't you just destroy it? You know, you just mm. rather than I'm going to over um, overload it. It's like you've got a phaser, you can just destroy it. Like, 
face me rather than oh no I can't do it that way I'm going to do it this way it's like what no no just phase it well done and data right can't stop you but but I, I never like, mind I like the fact that also that kind of that data's actually fooled in this episode as well he kind of didn't see her duplicity which I thought was quite interesting so well, you know so that was quite I thought that was quite an interesting aspect and you know but they said there are some really good things about this episode I think I, I like the said the opening scene of the poker game with Riker telling data is getting better at bluffing and him catching the commander out with the card check I thought that was great um I found quite I found an interesting parallel with kind of with the brothers so like data and Nor not getting on and kind of family where Picard and um, Robert don't either and it kind of Ishara kind of doesn't think much of Tasha and she, she said her never mentioned her sister kind of maybe indicates that maybe they didn't get on either maybe I, I don't know but I, I thought that was quite an interesting parallel um, I thought it was good good character development for Tasha's character um, as you find out about her sister and kind of the conditions of her home planet and I felt um, that Beth Tisson who plays Ishara gets a really in-depth and heartfelt performance I think I actually come to care about her character and she's quite interesting and complex so yeah I said I think it's, I said it's a really good episode so it does yeah, we do have some issues with it, um, but overall, I think it's it's, it's quite an interesting one. It kind of, you know, just gives depth to Tasha a bit more, even though she obviously at this point she's deceased. So, um, did you get any messages for it at all? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, this is a worthy goal. There are no excuses for it to violence. Uh, treasure the time you have with friends and family, as you never know when it will be gone. Yeah. Uh, her advance we get we're still capable of being tricked and fooled honesty is the best policy policy tell the truth don't believe everything you're told mm-hmm. if, if something sounds too good to be true it usually it is, is. Mm-hmm. everything has potential it's it's very easy to misinterpret other people's actions don't be prejudiced against a certain group and don't manipulate people it never ends well Hmm. Well, I've got pretty much the same issue. So, getting emotionally attached to casual objectivity. Kind of siblings aren't always the same, and expectations should be adjusted to accordingly. That so just because Ishara attaches this doesn't mean she's like her exactly. So, as you said. Um, and in truth, there is always the risk of betrayal, but the rewards it yields from emotional bonds that create friendships can be worth it. Which I think is a moment Riker talks about to, uh, to Data. Um, so, yeah, I think overall, I think it's a. It's a what, did you say what you liked about the episode, Sai? Uh, yeah, it's a good episode, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so uh, should we move on to what's the next one? Reunion. Um, I'm putting this up as a favourite episode contender. I don't know about you. Yes, I'm here. Yep. Um, right, let's read this synopsis. Right. The Enterprise is intercepted by a Klingon battlecruiser occupied by Kempek, leader of the High Council. With him is Kayla, Wolf's former lover, who has visited the Enterprise before. Picard is asked to supervise the handover of the title Leader of the Council. I mean, there's so much to say about this episode. I mean, it's, it's another Klingon episode. I've said I've always, always loved the Klingon episodes. Just l- listen back to our previous season reviews to get what I'm talking about. Um, it's just so much going on in this episode. And it's building on from previous, um, from previous stories. As you said, things like... Um, like Sins of the Father, like um, uh, Emissary in Season 2 when you first meet Kayla. Um, it's not really... I mean, the only thing I was that I didn't like is it's obvious who killed Kempek. Of course, it's Jurassic. He tried to kill Picard with his good name, so it's like... 
there's no sense of an intriguing mystery stuff as to who the assassin is for but, us for us but you need to have somebody else you need to have but there's an, a yeah. mark of element of suspense and mystery to Garon mm, you don't know who he actually is, is. What, what you want which is what I think they're trying to go for it kind of doesn't work Garon's history uh, because of um, mm. Duras's history but you can try and see yeah, what they're yeah. trying to go for but it's oh, yeah, yeah um, first time we see the Vulture class starship, um, Robert O'Reilly got the role of Garon due to his crazy eyes in the audition process. Really? Um, yeah. Is that how he got it? Yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Well, it made, like, made part of it, but yeah. Mm. Uh, first time we meet Alexander. Yep. Wolf's son. Um, Are you my father? I love yes. the way that the bat left wobbles in Duress's neck at the end of the episode <laughs> um, and it was quite nice the way Picard acknowledges um, that it's going to be difficult for Wolf great leadership um, it's interesting where they reveal Garon um, it wouldn't be a Klingon ceremony without pain sticks no that's true and I think that Susie Plexton's acting in this episode is fantastic yeah yeah and I love, I say, I love the fact that Wolf's gun badge falls off the table when he, he's going to face Duress. Just like, what a lovely way of just leaving that that little yeah mistake. It's like, <laughs> but it kind of it kind of works for them anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Susie Plaxton, for a cat, for for someone that she was what in what two episodes, she made a heck of an impact. No, got slur. Yeah, I mean it's Kayla. Sorry, I mean it's Kayla. Big pardon. Um. As Kalov, her, her just playing that character, give an impact. I mean, you know, she really gave the character an enriched sense of depth. You know, character development through just not to, I mean, obviously brilliant script writing, but just yeah, as you say, and and the moment where she, I mean, spoiler, I think people probably would have watched it by now. But when the scene where she dies, it's just heartbreaking. I actually had a tear in my eye, actually, a kind of Wolf's anguished reaction. It just it's sad, but. It's, it's just so sad but yeah, I think kind of in a way kind of to kind of move the plot forward that's what needed to kind of happen in a way didn't it I think would you agree with that yeah yeah um, so you know but it's it's a brilliant episode um, so like I said great performance from from as you said about it um, I think it's a good continued expansion of the storyline from kind of Wolf's discommodation in his past with Juras, his relationship with Kayla and his son Alexander, to kind of the internal politics of the Klingon Empire, and Picard having to choose a new leader, which obviously then you've got the idea of Romulan involvement, and oh, <laughs> which obviously leads on to redemption later. Um, I thought it was a really um, awesome scene in the obviously as he attempts to get her to speed up the, the ritual, the Shazuk. And then she accuses him of acting like a Ferengi, which I thought was good. Um, again, you find out a bit more about Klingon customs, like the right of succession and the right of vengeance. Um, I, lo- I also really like the fact that Wolstein's discommendation wasn't resolved. By killing Juras, the truth would die with him, but he had to avenge Kalos. So I thought that was really quite realistic. Um, and obviously this episode leads on to a lot of stuff happening late with Wolf and the Klingons. Um, some of the uh, messages I got obviously from it was obviously the importance of family so Kalar's united wolf 
uh, and Alexander, which echoes from obviously episodes like Family, Brothers, Suddenly Human, um, and kind of he's the Morse idea kind of sense itself and his kind of conflict between being a Starfleet officer and um, a Klingon. So obviously when he goes to kill Duras, but Picard reprimands him for it, even though he did follow Klingon law, but obviously he's a Starfleet officer. Um, uh, what else? And how? Oh, and also I found how important it is to form relationships even after loss, and let others help you through it. So, yeah, that's 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 the messages I got from the episode. Did you get pretty much the same? Um, mostly. Tell the truth. Take responsibility for actions. Honesty is the best policy. No excuses for violence. Arrogance will get you nowhere. Treasure time we have with friends and family, and if it will be gone. No that's what you do, tell the truth. Uh, we found out everything has its time. Time is precious, don't waste it. Power corrupts, absolutely. Logic is king. There's no definitive parenting guide. No matter your background, we're all mortal. Everyone lives, everyone dies. Every decision we make has its consequences. Treat people how you'd like to be treated. So. As you can tell from this, from listening, guys, that a lot of the messages are very, very similar. Because didn't you uh, last season, didn't you, as well? What's that? Oh, sorry, what's that, sorry? What did you say? Oh, sorry, um, I was saying, a lot of these messages as well, kind of, you found from kind of last season, they kind of carry over quite nicely, didn't they? Well, I always need a bit of help trying to work out what the hell we're doing with this show, so I always look back at our last year's notes for inspiration, so that's that's why, but yeah, it's a lot of things that you can pick up that say it's on ongoing theme in Star Trek rather than just yeah. season by season, but they're always there. Mm-hmm. Well, as I said, every episode's got a point to it. Every episode has, so there you go. So you um, try doing this after four years, you know, see how... Yeah, <laughs> what you end up doing? To well, it, yeah, I mean that's why I'm glad you you shut down my idea. Oh, let's do two season reviews a year. No, one is more than enough. So I'm glad you kind of took me out of that. So, <laughs> um, imperfect. Yeah, halfway through this one. episode and about an hour on the clock. So we're not doing badly on time. Mm. Um. Didn't I do last one? Oh no, you did, didn't you? I did, yeah. While investigating suspicious energy readings, Riker is overcome by toxic gases and awakes in a sick bay of the Enterprise, told by an older Dr. Crusher that 16 years have passed since that event. A great episode. Um, I like it, I'm not... Not too bothered. I, I've always <laughs> liked it. It's just another. Really it's another. Again, it's another odd episode. If you know what the thing is, you know it, and it's kind of oh yeah. I, and I love it. You, you know, you can see when he's changing things. You can tell when there's a delay between something happening, when mm. the kid reacts to something, and he goes, "Oh crap, Riker's not doing what I want him to do. Let's adjust it accordingly." You can tell there's a slight time delay, or that's quite clever but it's, it mm. kind of doesn't work once you've seen it first time round and the reels happen mm. um, oh and there's a clever way they do a transition from the present 
to the future fading into white via the volcanic gases. I thought that was always quite a clever way they did that. Mm. Um, the f- com badges would be redressed and reused multiple times throughout Star Trek history. Because um, they're like the future ones, so I think they get reused constantly. Uh, and anyway, the uniforms don't have rank pins for whatever reason. <laughs> and I thought Michael Westmore's uh, work in this, the aging makeup, is incredible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the whole kind of setting of it being 16 years later, so Riker with a bit of grey in his hair and the change, like, changing of the uniforms and things like that was just brilliant. It really was clever. You actually really believe that that, that amount of time had actually passed. An episode where I think the Varbata would have been happy because he doesn't have to wear his visor. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Did you notice a bit of product placement in this? It's not really product placement, but I love the way it's sussy put in there. Don't think so. When Emerald Picard is paling the Enterprise on the Romulan ship, Dacius, you can see a Playmates Romulan Warbird toy displayed on the disc in the background. Oh, right. I'll have to look out for that then next time. And obviously, Minuet's a, a reference back to uh, the, the Binance episode. Binance episode. So, yeah, it's quite fun. It's like, yeah, you look at it and you go, oh, look, there's a Playmates toy in there. That's what they do, and it's like, crap, we've got to fill this set with something. What can we do? I know. Let's go and use a Playmates toy. I just love the fact that it said that the only time you ever hear Riker tell Picard to shut up. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Shut up as in close your mouth and stop talking. It's like, um, yeah, I mean, it said I think um, it's said it's an interesting future reimagined. It said the great production values of the ship and the idea that Romulans and humans are at peace. I think Jonathan Frakes gives a great performance. It's, I think it's quite a clever deception of what. Again, if you're thinking about it kind of from a first-time perspective, I think it's quite clever in what was really going on with the twists and turns and thinking it was the Romulans and then the human child that was actually alien. And I actually like the whole solution to the thing. It seems really complex, but it's it's simple, but really effective. It's just a lonely child wanting some company. It's so effective, and it has I think it has a really emotional impact on the whole episode. You know, it comes out, it, it, it kind of dresses itself up really complex and, you know, as you say, and it's actually very, very simple. But I think that kind of makes it, it makes the episode work, I think. Um obviously some of the themes obviously I've got from this is obviously again the importance of family um, as well so kind of the the, the aliens saw kind of Riker as a kind of a father figure um, I also found in this episode Age of Time and Regrets as it passes so kind of you know I said Picard not coming back home to his family for years Data and soon talk about the past not regret spending more time and it, again it's all referenced throughout every kind of episode and in this one kind of Riker wanted to be there for his son as Riker's father wasn't there for him when he was growing up so you get a real kind of sense of time and kind of regrets of not being there again again it's cherishing that time as you've said before so yeah I said it's um it's a really good episode I've, I've always really enjoyed it um and you know it's kind of <clears throat> you know nothing is as it seems as, as you know but even even when I, I, I actually remember back to when I first watched it just thinking to myself Something's not right here. Just couldn't quite put my finger on it, but um, see, so yeah, I think that's kind of an episode we both both quite enjoy. But it's not a, not a, not a favourite contender. Um, did you get many messages from it, Si? Yeah, loads. Trish, time you have with friends and family, you never know where it'll be gone. 
There are no excuses for violence, in this case genocide, very subtle, but when the kids, when he tells Riker what's happening, it's like, yeah, muscle herons. And the other thing I really didn't get with that, if you think it through well enough, it's like, okay, if it can protect him, why didn't just the mother stay with him? Um... Wasn't there something said that, uh, that she wanted to draw the aliens away from him or something like that to keep him safe? Yeah, but you got to bear in mind that at the beginning of the episode, he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. So, surely it protect two people, as they didn't mm. find him. Maybe. Um, if you need support dealing with something, ask for it. Her advance we get, we're still capable of being tricked, fooled. Honestly, it's the best policy. If it's saying it's bothering you, talk to friends and family. Time is precious, don't waste it. Be yourself, don't try to be someone you're not. Don't believe everything you're told. Logic is king. Like, because, say, Riker figures it out after a while. Mm. Um, it's very easy to misinterpret other people's actions. I, I love some of the excuses they came up with. And it's, like, very childish excuses. Like, that's... Oh, I can't do those sums because interference. And you sit oh. there, yeah, that's a really kid excuse. Oh, what, data kind of, yeah. yeah. Everyone needs to, needs time to groove in their own way. Every problem has a solution. Don't live life by a lie, and everyone needs their own kind of escapism. Yeah, just yeah, just like a guy off with the whole crew for it. It's like... <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I think that covers uh, future imperfect quite nicely. Um, should we go on to final mission? Yeah, I like that one. Mm. Did you want to read the synopsis for this one as well? No. No? Okay. Right. <laughs> I thought you might like to because you like it, but fair enough. Um, Picard reveals that Wesley has been accepted into Starfleet Academy. Wesley's final assignment on the Enterprise is to accompany Picard on the trip with a miner to settle a dispute. En route, the uh, battered miner's shuttle breaks down, forcing them to land on a desert world. Does this shuttle look familiar? Yes, it does indeed. <laughs> It's a redress from something, and you did tell me, but I have forgotten. I told you like two episodes ago. <laughs> the alien shuttle from the most toys. There we go. Yeah. And you also recognise the sublight garbage freighter as well. Again, yeah. it's the same as before. It's the Batress from Heart of Glory. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So you get this a lot. Um, I honestly think if when you listen to them in the special features, I was going about oh it was amazing when we got all the cast on on one set together. So I really wish they had uh, Crusher, Doctor Crusher, on the bridge for when um, when Wesley gets the Academy news. I think that'd be amazing because they did that when he got promoted in two one. Um. When he cut, what he was, what, what, when he became en- full ensign or just acting ensign? Ensign, so that must have been last season. Yes, yeah, I think that'd be, um, Manager oh, Troy. Troy, yeah. Um, I love the way the Nebec pretty much falls apart, that seems, when it crash lands. Like, handle, the handle falls off and Picard uses it, like, due to its age. Uh, I always like the shot of the Enterprise arriving at that planet. That's quite that was quite a cool shot. Oh, I said. To, uh, oh no, I'll go back to it. Great reuse of the Star Trek three phases. Uh, fantastic character development between Wesley and Picard. 
And this is something I pointed out to Jamie a few weeks back, and it's like, he sat there and went, yeah, I kind of see what you mean now. I think there is a great idea, but I've always where the frick did he get those twigs from? Because <laughs> you're in the middle of a desert, with no life whatsoever. Where are you going to get shit. twigs? Yeah. Where, where are you going to get them from? What, do you have a, did he have a store of them? It's like, no. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I found this episode, I said, a fitting fun episode for Wesley before he leaves for Starfleet Academy. Although I know I said most fans were very glad when he did <laughs> when he was gone. Um, nice reference to Wesley and Picard's shuttle journey to Starbase Five One Five and Samaritan Snare in season two, and a cool mention of the groundskeeper uh, Boothby at the academy. I also found that uh, there was a lovely talk between Picard and Wesley when he tells him he did everything school and getting into Starfleet to make Picard proud of him. And he kind of he said he replies to Wesley he always was, and I I, I love this at the end. The, the funny line with their exchange about their dirty uniforms from kind of the mud and dirt in the cave and Picard says what are you doing in such a filthy uniform and Wesley replies you don't look so ship shaped yourself so I just thought that was just a nice little um, moment between them at the end um, it's not a bad episode I, I don't mind it but I, it doesn't grab me that much it's watchable but I didn't love it um I mean, I don't know if you had—I don't know if you found any problems with the episode at all, or anything, anything that kind of jumps I've out. always yeah. enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. Oh. And it's a general rule is you don't find faults if with an episode you like. Mm. I found that both plots work adequately well together, quite well together. So you need two <laughs> plots there. Oh yeah, you definitely do. But I—I—I I, I don't. I think this is just personal opinion, but for me, I don't think it was the way it was done. But I just. There wasn't as much suspense and tension with the danger the crew was in as I thought there could have been. I'm not quite sure what they no, could have done to change it. No, you needed a subplot that they but, could quickly solve. Yeah. So you needed focuses on Wesley mm. and yeah. Picard. And mm. that was just there to happen. But you need something... You can't have something too time-consuming. You can't have oh, no. a diplomatic thing. You can't have this thing. <laughs> you can't have a phase fight. You have to have something where it's like, oh, that's easy. We'll just shove that into the sun and be gone with it. And that's why I think it works quite well because it's kind of... It's the typical. There's a bit of mild peril there, but it's not too much. Mm. But it's just enough. But the mild, the the peril is in the other plot, which is Picard, obviously in Morton. Which is meant to be the focus. So you sit there and go, oh, you kind of, oh, they'll sort out rather than oh, hopefully they don't die. That's not what the your focus should be on. It's otherwise it wouldn't be right if it was just. It's pretty much a similar sort of thing as Samaritan Snare. It's just a similar sort of setup. Samaritan Snare. Yeah, Samaritan Snare. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Again, you have two plots, but they need to get they need to deal with this before they can go to them. So yeah. Um. A solution, kind of. Again, I know you don't agree with this, but a solution after it just it seemed too easy. Where's the you know fire the phaser at the force field, press a load of buttons on try calling No, there's out. more to it than just that. He did. He does give a good explanation of what the hell's going on. Do mind me? I must have missed that. If, it's in the dialogue, but it's it's not. Mm. And, it, and it's yes, it's down to time constraints. That you've got to just do it rather mm. than. Well, I always know, wondered like, what, what else he gonna do, Jamie. What else is he gonna do? It oh, just give up. Yes, give up, give up. <laughs> no, that's not Wesley. That's not in Wesley's nature. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just minor things. It's just my own episode for Wesley. I think it is a really good episode for him. Like I said, a good one to kind of send him off to the academy. Um, you know, and I, just, I always did wonder how the what the fountain ended up there. Was it was it a man-made or was it like 
was it a natural occurring phenomenon or that that always kind of quite interested me but again it doesn't matter that it's not explained it's just quite a nice intriguing little mystery I think isn't it yeah so um uh messages um using your head and thinking about the problem is the way to a solution instead of being impulsive all the time as Durgo finds out when he gets killed by the force field whereas Wesley studies it and acts more cautiously he's able to get to the water and um, looking up to someone and them acting as a role model is a positive influence when Wesley tells him he looks up to Picard and has achieved a lot in his life to make him proud so that's kind of the messages I got from the episode did you get anything different? Samey, samey, but there's a few in there that you won't have heard released this year. Treasure the time you have for friends and family. You never know when your time with them will be gone. I think I'm going to say that pretty much every single show. Don't dump your problem onto someone else. Yeah. Yep. If you need support dealing with something, ask for it. Honesty is the best policy. Human brain and mind is our greatest asset. Don't squander it and your potential. No matter what you do, tell the truth. Plan ahead. Accidents, mistakes happen. It's how we deal with them that's important. There's risks to everything we do. Always have a backup plan. Don't give up so easily. There's solutions to everything. Uh, treat people how you'd like to be treated. You have to be willing to do anything to survive. Every problem has a solution. Let's say I like that episode. I feel like it works ju just about right. You have enough time with Picard and Wesley, but you have just enough time for them to solve the garbage scale mm. but you, you need that second plot there otherwise it really would not work at all I think you you probably kind of find the, 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 the main plot was it just there would just be too padded out I think so I think you kind of you do need that secondary plot to kind of keep it going um, I know you're not overwhelmed by it but I think I, I say overall it's a lovely episode for Wesley to go out on mm. oh yeah rather than just him going out in a like fizzle Oh yeah, I mean, and you know, I said I don't love the episode, but it's not one I just like. I said it's it's got it's got some really good moments in there. I said it has got some. I said lovely messages. I said it's just not one that has ever really particularly grabbed me. But you know, I said to each their own. Um, the loss. <laughs> have fun, Sai. <laughs> so I don't mind the loss. So it's not too much of a problem. Troy begins to experience severe pain, and at the time, then Troy is suddenly unable to go to walk. Troy soon realises that she's lost her empathic sense and Enterprise is heading uncontrollably towards a black hole like cosmic string. I've got to point out, I love the picture on Trekcore with her holding her head. Again, I know it's an old adage thing of it, but kind of what, what people would use to describe as headache woman, just it sums up that picture. It just sums it up perfectly. This is one I struggle with. I like it as an episode, I just really struggle with it for doing this. It's an interesting episode, and I could see what they were trying to do, but it doesn't come across quite right for me. Again, I think it's got kind of mixed messages, kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I've um, got a note down here saying both sides of the Troy plotline are unfortunately poorly written. Mm. Troy's a bit too argumentative, and the rest of the crew are patronising. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I found kind of. And you I think know. We, we both said this when we brought it up before. Uh, this would have worked so much better if she had lost them for a few episodes, meaning having an overarching story arc. Yeah, the, that's the problem I had at the end. It's kind of like, oh, you got them back again. It's, it's like, it's like, 
because Reich always says to her, you, ha- you haven't tapped into your human side enough. Like you say it's no lessons learned, isn't it? It's like no. whole thing. It's like, oh. And this is, and, and kind of the other problem I have with this episode is Deanna loses her empathic abilities. Now, uh, to a point, to an extent, I do understand her frustration. She's lost a key part of who she is. But the problem I have with this episode, which somebody brought up in one of the reviews on, on IMDb, was we can't really relate to her character because we, we she's lost something we don't have. Whereas something like Loud as a Whisper with Reaver in season two, where he was deaf, people can relate to that. And I found that the episode, that episode did a much better job because in the end, Reaver has to adjust to his situation. And he actually, he finds a solution, oh, I'll use sign language, but he has to adjust to it. Whereas Deanna, I was like, as you say, oh, she's back to normal at the end. So it's kind of like, if we'd seen her struggle for a few more episodes, I think that would have made a much bigger impact. Um, so yeah, I said, but you know, but the thing is, it's a very brave and admirable attempt at trying to comment, say, commenting on disability with Deanna's condition. So I could see what the episode was trying to do. But it just didn't quite work. So I admire it for trying, but it just didn't quite, you know, for me. It just didn't quite work for me. Um, as you said, episode, did you say, was what? Poorly written as well? Well, the Troy plot line. Yeah. I don't and mind I, the main one. I think just the Troy one is yeah. just really badly... <laughs> I don't know, it's just two-dimensional when it could have been yeah. a lot better and i found i found kind of she's not really that useful at the end it's kind of like you could anyone could have made that assessment i think no no i, I disagree but i disagree because you need her to go through all this for her to make the realization of doing that because no one else would have thought that would they you need the psychology of that to get yeah. there and who's going to know psychology i don't know Counselor, so it wouldn't be anyone else, Jamie. That's the issue. But I, felt, but I do think it was a good, good that she did tap into a human side, her intuition. As it, that was kind of the solution, which was good. But as again, at the end, it's kind of like, oh, you know, she's just back to normal now. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was quite clever that you actually get the scenes where you actually see her doing a job for once, which is nice. Because I think yeah. it happens more than you think it does. Mm. Because it's not on screen, but it's quite quite nice to see her actually do it. Yeah. Um, I like the Elkar's animation showing the situation. I always thought that was awesome, where they pan down and you see the two-dimensional nest of the creatures. I thought that was awesome. I found that I, I, I don't mind the subplot. I found that whole subplot actually quite interesting. That's one part of the episode I think did quite work work quite nicely. Um, the Breen get name dropped when Data's talking about races unreadable by Betazoids. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I literally, that's all I got. I didn't really struggle with this one. Um, let's see. I thought, oh, funny, uh, a funny moment when Riker questions data about giving precise calculations to their destination in seconds. <laughs> I thought that bit was great. It's kind of going, I've noticed that people get impatient, but I can if you want me to. It's like, Riker shuts them down. It's like, no, no, just say it in minutes is fine. Um, anything else that I like about the episode? Again, kind of what I've already said. Um, let's see. Is else I didn't like again I've already said um, the messages I got from it uh, therapists are always the worst patients as Beverly says to Troy at the end and you have to face your pain not hide from it when you have when you've gone through a traumatic experience so e.g. like Troy does with her empathic abilities that's literally all I got I said it's, it's not an episode I'm particularly fussed by um, again it's not one I really dislike I said it's got it's got merit to it but it's, it's one I could happily just skip over and not be 
bothered. Um, did you get any messages for it, Si? I didn't do too badly on that side of it. It's very difficult with other odd bits, but I didn't mm. do too badly with that. And there's actually a few more that you won't have heard, which is amazing. Go for it. Life is their challenge, just physically or mentally. Treat people how you like to be treated. If you need support dealing with something, ask for it. Remember to be reasonable towards other people. Logic is king. Be be yourself. Don't try to be someone you're not. Sometimes you have to be, to put what uh, to one side your prejudice. There. Sometimes you have to put to one side your prejudice about something. That's better. Power corrupts absolutely. Arrogance will get you nowhere. The world doesn't revolve around you. It's very easy to misstep other people's actions. No one is more important than anyone else. Guilt is a powerful thing. Every problem has a solution. People are affected by the same thing in totally different ways. So with that, it's like Troy losing her abilities and her else. Everyone else getting headaches and minor injuries and whatnot. Don't be prejudiced against a certain group. Mm. And that's, that's what I got. So I don't have any too value on that. It's a very difficult mm. one to try yeah, and find but... anything to it. Because there's not a lot that <laughs> goes on in it. But No, but if I had to I, pick... I don't mind it. Mm. If I had to get anything... Gone. Sorry. No, sorry, you should say. I said I've had to pick between which one I'd watch again. In terms of commentary and disability, I'll pick Lads of Whisper. Okay, yes, that episode does have a few problems in itself, but overall it's done much, much better. And that's with it, knows this. Oh, sorry, and, Jeremy, and that And that's, sorry, and that's with a guest star, not actually a main character. But yeah, gone. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jamie, I thought you'd finish. Um, sorry? As Jamie well knows, I'd rather watch that episode rather than the next one. Yeah, I'm the other way around, but fair enough. <laughs> yeah, um, Data's Day. Um, Data records the observation, records his observations of an average day. Preparations are underway for the marriage of Chief O'Brien and Keiko, and the Enterprise is transporting a secretive Vulcan ambassador to the neutral zone. Yeah, so that's, that's a crap. <laughs> Your favourite character, Keiko. <laughs> That's one of the reasons you don't like this episode that much, but not the only reason. Go on, side, go for it. If you want to. In terms of what, well, I've only got, I haven't got much. I really haven't got much. I say I don't like this episode. So I say, so if you don't like it, you always find you write less for it. Mm. Uh, I like the fact you see the handover between the night and day shifts, as it adds a sense of realism to the show. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time we see it. It does reappear. The USS Zukov is a reused of the Enterprise C model from USS Enterprise, and the Zukov is also seen in Star Trek Bridge Commander. Uh, first time you meet Mop the Barber. Yep. Uh, when Data's talking about the change, change of course to uh, the neutral zone, is he referencing or quoting Sunny D. Clements from the neutral zone? That's where the episode. I think I brought it up with Jamie before, and I couldn't remember what episode it was from. Mm. It's a certain way he says it, and it's just like, hmm, that sounds awfully like what Sunny D. Clements said. And oddly enough, it's one of the only few occasions where the Enterprise crew fails, and uh, that's me done. And then I got yeah. vague morals, messages, and meanings. But yeah, over to you, Jamie, because I think you're going to have a good discussion about this one. So over um, you go. Uh, nice reference to a measure of a man with that is corresponds to Bruce Maddox. Yeah, um, I think I've, yeah, yeah, yes, good, good call. I think I, I would have put that down, but I think I've forgotten. But yeah, um, yeah, I like the cool. out. <laughs> thanks. Um, I like the examination of the human emotions and friendships from Data's perspective. 
it's kind of interesting. I kind of in a way, and, he, and, and I like the fact that kind of he tries to kind of relate relate to the other characters how they kind of relate to him. I thought that was quite interesting. Um, which just gives depth to his characters. We meet Spot for the fir- Spot the cat for the first time, and Chief O'Brien's. Uh, hang on, his character, and oh yes, yeah, and uh, depth. <laughs> it's the way I've written it. So yeah. Data gets a certain amount of depth, and so does Chief O'Brien. That's it, as we meet Keiko. Yeah, there we go. Um, good performances from the cast. So, from uh, Rosalind Chow as Keiko and Carmen as O'Brien. I, 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 I don't know, maybe not, but I, you really get a sense that Brian and Keiko really love each other, which I thought was yeah, nice. But why do they get married? But never mind, I'll go into that in the next episode. But yes, no, um, yeah, sure. Good, good comparison between Data and Wolf. So both rescued by Starfleet and considered outsiders by society. Uh, nice bit of character development for Beverly when you find out she's used to tap dance and jazz. The dancing. Can I just dance. ask the question that we're all asking? Gone. How the frick did Data introduce Miles to Keiko? How did that happen? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I kind of thought maybe it should have kind of been referenced in a previous episode, maybe as a passing reference. I love the fact you see the reprimand as well. That's quite a cool thing. Mm. And I think you said to me you quite like Data's smile in the dance sequence. Oh you? God, yeah! I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's a little, I can see you trying, Dave, but that comes across. It just looks a little bit creepy. Um, what else? Uh, I thought it was a nice little solution, clever solution to the B plot with Ambassador Tapel's death. With Data using Sherlock Holmes' deduction to solve it, which I thought was quite cool. Um, I, I, and I love this. The end quote from Data perfectly sums up what he hopes to achieve in the theme of the episode. If being human is not simply a matter of being flesh and blood, if it is a way of thinking, instead, if it's a way of thinking, acting and feeling, then I'm hopeful that maybe one day I will discover my own humanity. Just love that end quote. Just sums up the episode really nicely. Um, again, I found the two plots though that didn't quite mesh well together. Like Data going through a normal day, and then you had obviously the Vulcan Romulan spy plot it just didn't quite work together quite well. Really, I found. I don't know. If, I don't know if you felt the same way when you were watching it. Um, yeah. So um, some of the messages I got: um, human emotions are complex, and you can't take everything someone says at face value. So kind of when Data's talking to Keiko and O'Brien, it's kind of. You know, he's trying to figure out how to be a good friend to them. It's like, well, Keiko calling off the wedding. It's like, oh, that'll please Chief O'Brien. Like, it doesn't. Um, you can't always apply logic to every situation, especially ones that involve a lot of emotions, like love and marriage. Sometimes the best way to help friends who are in dispute is to not help at all, but let them work it out for themselves. And kind of just examines what it means to be human by thinking, acting, and feeling, and becoming more than what we are, as Data says at the end to his correspondence with Maddox. So... As that's what I got from the episode. So, welcome to another edition of Welcome to Stuff You've Heard a Million Times. Don't jump to conclusions. Find out the facts first. Treat people how you like to be treated. Uh, life is there to challenge us physically or mentally. However, answer we get, we're still capable of being tricked and fooled. Logic is king. Everyone makes mistakes. You only live once. You're alone. Don't believe everything you're told. If you want to prove something, make sure you have evidence to back you up. If you're going to commit to doing something, make sure you follow through with it. And every decision we make has its consequences. And that's me done. Now on to brilliant episodes. Great. Episodes. Oh, the wounded. Yep, another episode season contender. 
I'll take it you're the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going from an episode where I've written nothing to an episode where I've wrote tons. Um, Captain Maxwell of the Phoenix has uh, severed contact with Selfie and has been raiding the vessels and transports of the Colossians. A race once, once at war with the Federation, but now peaceful under an uneasy tr uh, treaty. Yeah, I mean, so there's so much in it. Yeah, I found quite a bit myself for this episode. Um, I said I've always loved it. Um, so you obviously got the instructions for the Kardashians, so I think I really fleshed out well in this episode. And obviously, it would be very important later on in setting up their conflict with the Marquis. Oh, and the I get to have a complain. Yeah, you do. And the idea of the occupation <laughs> of Bajor and TNG, which makes a huge impact on DS9. Oh, another um, redress. And do you want to go for it then? I've got loads. Go I for really it. Have. Um, first time we see a Nebula class starship. And a Glow one as well while we're at it. The Phoenix is a AWACS variant, so the first one we ever see without the, like, the pod on top. Mm. Um, uh, oh no, I'll go back to that later. You, you, I think you know what I'm referencing. The Colossian supply ship is a redress of, guess what, the Mundo! First seen in Sumerians. <laughs> there. Um, Wolf is right along. Uh, thrusters are not given. Um, oh god. Seeing as the Colossians broke the peace treaty, uh, spying on the Enterprise. Because it's, like, it's obvious that that aid is obviously spying on them. Oh god, yeah. So I thought that was quite cool that Wolf, it, he gets beaten down for it and it, he's proven right. It's like, uh huh. It, going back to what I was saying a minute ago, the O'Brien breakfast dinner scenes makes you wonder why the why did they get married? <laughs> uh, it, really, it really does. It really it sits. You go, what? Why the frick? Why you know? It's like why are you having this debate of uh, have home foods from my parents? When we've known each other for however long, is that I kind really? Of, I thought it was kind of nice thing. It kind of looks at the idea of compromising the marriage, but there you no, go. but it's kind of here. Here's food that I like, like you do on a first date, rather than we're married now. What? Like, <laughs> yeah, I suppose when you think about it, it just, from that it's perspective, a bit weird. It's like, seem a bit odd, doesn't it? Uh, Mark Omer plays Gold Machette. Uh, who goes on to play Gold Cut in Deep Space Nine? And Kanar gets introduced very yep. subtly, and it's the only time we see the Kardashian helmet things. <laughs> so got rid of. And I thought it was interesting. Selfie deals with this issue differently than how it would have done if Wolf Three Five Nine never happened. Because if you think about it, if you got more ships, you'd deal with it more actively. Whereas because they've got no ships, they've got to go. Uh, we're good. And the fact, oh yeah, and also the fact is another Federation starship as well. It's kind of it, it makes it even more delicate. But um, as you, but as you say, the the admiral that ordered Picard is kind of like you need to preserve the peace at whatever the cost. It's like gone. <clears throat> we heard Colin Meany sing the Minstrel Boy at Destination Star Trek Three back in 2014. Yep. And I believe that Captain Maxwell is suffering from post-traumatic stress, stress. stress dis, uh, dis, disorder. disorder. Yeah. And then the one that I was referencing before. I love the shot of the Enterprise from Captain Maxwell's Red Room. Although I'd, I've never understood why they replaced the original special effect when they remastered the series. As I always thought the original was incredible. Just you... why? Just why? 
<laughs> Can you remember the words to Minstrel Boy? No. Do you want me to sing it? <laughs> I probably can, I just don't wanna. That's fine. The Minstrel Boy to the war has gone in the ranks of death. I love the way it ends it, and you can just sort of... Mm. Um, um, O'Brien goes... Oh no, um, Maxwell goes, I'm not gonna win this one. He goes, no, no afraid not. And you get this nice musical tune in the background mm. of Minstrel Boy as it fades out. And it's yeah, like I thought that was... Yeah. It's like really well done. And then um, there's the end scene where it's like Picard goes, "We'll be watching you." Mm. That's always been incredible. It's like, no, 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 Cardassians, we're on to you. No, 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 no. But in some ways, he's sort of indicated for what he's done. Mm. Even though he he had in the deleted scenes, it's kind of he has no evidence at all. It's just him going on about on a rampage. Mm. But he is right in a strange sort of way. It's a really odd thing, but incredible episode. Yeah, and as I said, for all these reasons that you've mentioned, I think also Cole Meaney gives an excellent performance and Chief O'Brien gets great, gets great character development as we find out more about his past and distrust of the Kardashians from Seclet 3. Um, I love the way it's like beaming through the shields. It's like, yep, yeah, okay, we need a solution. Let's find a way through it. You find that there's always a breach. There's always a way you can actually beam through shields, but we also forget that. And the fact, well, that's the thing as well. Him being transport chief, he would know that. So it works quite nicely. Um, yeah, but, but if if everyone knew it, it makes shields a bit pointless. Because mm. it's like you know they do it in trials and tribulations. Yeah, we can beam through their shields with this thing. Yeah, we can build through the sh Phoenix's shield with this one. And you sit there going, shields are pointless at this rate. It's like, oh come on, really? Um, but also. Um, the whole thing with the Kardashians and that is also brought up again with Chief O'Brien Deep Space Nine as well. Um, there's a reference to the best of both worlds where Maxwell says Riker, great job with the Borg. And I, I said, I get a really touching scene between him, Maxwell and O'Brien on, on the Phoenix when they sing Minstrel Boy. Um, some of the messages... I love a reference to Bellani Stone as well. Mm. Oh, you've been, you've been kissing the Bellani... You've been kissing the stone, <laughs> haven't you? Something I've, something I've actually done as well, but I thought that was quite... Cool, and just kind of the, the, like the little wink as Captain Maxwell's going out the transport room. I thought that was lovely. Just kind of, you can tell there's a relationship there, mm. friendship there, which is just great. Just from a glance. Oh just yeah, so incredible acting. Oh, that's what you mean. I mean, and particularly in an episode where you've got so much to cover. So that's, that's not the first time in an episode where you have a guest star and you really feel whether it's whether it's. A, a romantic relationship or, or, or officer you know like first officer or whatever it is it really comes across through really well um, again an example of kind of a romantic relationship for one episode will be half a life but that's, that's, that's later um, anyway yeah um, some of the messages I got from it um, it obviously examines how war affects and changes people and that the trauma people experience um, so Maxwell wants to get revenge on the Kardashians for killing his family um, there are two kind of wars conflicts in space between starships and within ourselves even when war is over the war still goes on for some people um, diplomacy is the key to peace so when Picard tells Garma set his one for a diplomatic solution to the situation and anger and revenge can consume you and you lose who you are so basically don't let anger and revenge consume you so what about you Sai? Peace is a worthy goal. There are no excuses to revert to violence. Treat people how you like to be treated yourself. 
Tell the truth, take responsibility for your actions. Don't jump to conclusions, find out all the facts first. However advanced we get, we're still capable of being tricked and fooled. No matter what we do, you, what you do, tell the truth, as it will always be found out. Don't believe everything you're told. Don't forgive and forget. Stick to your morals and morals and ethics. Revenge isn't worth it. Sometimes you have to read between the lines. Every problem has a solution. Don't be prejudiced against a certain group. In this case, Kardashians. Don't manipulate people. It just never ends well. Every decision we make has consequences. If you want to prove something, make sure you have evidence to back you up. War has an effect on people mentally and physically. Just amazing episode. Just say the pacing in that is just fantastic. Oh it yeah, really is. Um, now we've got on to our final one of part one of this review. Devil's Jew. Um, is it my turn to read? I'd say so. Yep. Um. The Enterprise is sent to retrieve a Federation anthropological team only to discover that the population is in a state of chaos believing their peaceful way of life is to end with the second coming of the devil. Ardra, as she's called. Um, really fun episode. Um, yes, that's actually a thing about it. What we said, when we've been talking about this episode before, about the season before we recorded today, we've both sat there and gone... We needed light-hearted episodes sooner, mm. scattered throughout the season better, because it's like there's a wedge in this bit, and then you don't get any at the beginning, and you don't get any at the end, and you no. just need that light-hearted throughout rather I, than in the a, wedge in the middle. Mm, it's a much more of a serious season, and but at the same time, the the, it's just the the tone of it is kind of a bit off, as you say, kind of not the mix and match doesn't quite work. Um, this is an episode we needed, but again, he needed one a bit sooner <laughs> into the season than halfway through. But yeah, um, I had a lot of fun with this one. Lots of odd bits where you sit there and go, "What?" <laughs> um, oh, uh, oh, okay, I've already said that. Um, it's what Jamie has said. I love the clever use of the holodeck in the opening scene, as it parallels the main episode plot. A uh, great way to show character development, like in the Defector. If Ardra's the devil, does that make Captain Card God for saving the planet from Ardra? I thought that was quite an interesting thought. That is an interesting thought. Surely if she's a con artist who's visited Ventax to to, to learn about Ardra... Uh, to, yeah, yeah, quite. To, uh, yeah, to learn about Ardra's <laughs> contract, then she must have been seen on a CCTV camera. <laughs> good point. Very good point. The interesting thing is that Ardra isn't all bad as she manages to get the hostages released. I think people forget about that. It's, she actually does some good along the way. It's like, what? Yes, <laughs> it does happen. Um, I like the ready room scene where Captain Card speculates what actually happened on uh, at the Ardra contract signing. I thought that's a really interesting scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is something I said to Jamie a few weeks back. If the real Ardra turns up, I think. A cost Jared will probably get himself killed as he'll accuse them of being a con artist. <laughs> I just like, yeah, you're not real, and he probably gets himself killed from it. It's like, yeah, okay, great plan. Um, was Ardra meant to be a recurring character? I got that sense at the end of the episode, kind of, I'm going to be back, and she never turns up again. It's like, okay, right, we never got around to that. Never mind, carry on. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just thought, is God. 
God in this sense, because it's like, she's the devil, is he God then? Because someone's obviously got to fill that role, and is that the God then? Because he nullifies the contract and stops her from doing any other harm. Mm. So, right. so, Over to you, Jeremy. Um, what did you think? I think it's a good episode. I think I said it's it's a fun, light, and entertaining episode, which is needed off the heaviness of the concepts of war from the wounded. Um, I like the opening scene with Data, kind of trying to understand the concept of fear, which again is a kind of a theme for the whole episode. Um, I think Marta Juba, oh god, I can't even pronounce that name. D U B O I S. I don't know who you're referring to, so hey. Uh, Marta Dub- I'm going to say Dubrai and if I am wrong in pronouncing it I apologise assuming that's Ardra I'm assuming yeah, yeah. She oh gets... you can talk about you can complain about your bit oh that's going to be hilarious um, uh, <laughs> oh god yeah, yeah there's I'll a certain on, scene you don't like I'll get on to that in a minute <laughs> um, I think she gives a great performance she makes the episode just so much fun she re- just she really hams it up I think and it's just it's just great um, yeah there were a couple of Things I didn't like. Well, but there's one thing I didn't really like about the episode. Arja flirting with Picard in his quarters. I that scene made me really uncomfortable. Particularly when she turns into Diana and she runs her finger down his chest. It's like no, no. I find it creepy when she's dressed in that like Victorian get-up. Yeah, that I really don't get because that's just like really weird. It's like okay, that's that's the, that's the one that I I didn't actually like. It's one I just found a bit uncomfortable, but. But the rest of it, episode six, it's a fun episode. Um, some of the messages I've got from it. Um, reality is a base perception of our senses, so what we see and touch is real. But sometimes that is not enough. So, you know, you can't, again, it's not taking things at face value. Um, I said it, it goes into the idea of theology, so the study of the nature of God and religious belief. So Ardra is the devil. How she uses religion to spread fear that makes the people on the planet panic and take hostages. Not necessarily a bad thing, as the mythology of Ardra could have been the cause for change. So Aventax leader saw the, the destruction of their society and used this theology to motivate change, as Picard says. Um, the con game, so there's a sucker born every minute. Um, and fear is a very powerful motivator can be used for all sorts of things so like Picard says like Ardra exploitation of innocent Ardra exploit true for our advance we get we're still capable of being tricked and fooled treat people where you like to be treated never give in to fear no matter what you do tell the truth as it will always be found out be yourself don't try to be someone you're not don't rely on technology don't believe everything you're told power perhaps absolutely if something sounds too good to be true, no, it is. is. <laughs> Every problem has a solution. Don't manipulate people; it never ends well. If you want to prove something, make sure you have evidence to back you up. Don't give up so easily. As a solution to every problem, it's same old, same old, same old. Everyone, I think next year, I think everyone will have a bingo card of kind of stuff that I say. <laughs> might as well. You just, just say it. it's like you say it. You don't need to say it. We've got this right. You're gonna say that. You're gonna say that. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, just yeah. Say, you just you try doing what we do every year, month yeah, research it, and going. It's very trying very to be trying to be original. Taxing. It's very. It, it is taxing. It really does take. Like I said it. It takes a month to do this, watching the episodes, analysing them, and as you say, then obviously there's recording them and then obviously editing them for me and oh, so yeah. I, oh, actually, technically, so you do a bit of editing as well, Daniel, with the Skype as well. Big upon. So there's that as well. Um, so yeah, um, that that's that's our first thirteen episodes, our part one of our season review, four review done, isn't it? Yeah, 
So and only an hour. Oh, just under an hour and a half, I think, something like that. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So, um, we hope you enjoy listening, guys, and uh, we'll be back with part two. So, is there anything? Yeah. Yep. See, just see you soon. Yep. Bye.